0: Hey, we've been talking through last week, um, if you are visiting, we've been going through Romans chapter 8. Uh, some sch- scholars say that this is the greatest chapter ever written because it's good for salvation and sanctification. It's 39 verses of power. It, it, it lets us know who we are. It exposes who God is. And last week we talked about suffering and some of the lies we can believe about suffering. We talked about how to suffer well, that suffering will come into our lives and we sometimes wonder, I think, I think for Christians and even non-Christians, if we're being honest in this room, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but when suffering entered your life or you look at a broken world, you wonder if God is good, how can he allow this much suffering? You wonder uh, how in the world are over 4 million women and little girls are being sex trafficked around our world. If God is good. You wonder how in the world are there. Over 600,000 abortions every year. If God is good. You wonder if God is good. Why do 50% of marriages end in divorce? You wonder if God is good. Why do bad things happen to good people? You wonder if God is good. Why is cancer a reality? If God is good, then why doesn't depression go away? If God is good, then why did our father or mother walk out? We have all these questions that can go unanswered. I have those too, by the way. You know, throughout my life, um, I've shared it with you plenty of times, but this is kind of what it's been like for me. And you'll relate to this. I'm not alone in here. It's like we, we are born not knowing what's going to happen to us or what we will experience. And it's like we have this bag of brokenness that we carry around today. Thank you for giving me an amen, little girl over there. It's like there's this bag of brokenness and throughout your life you experience as a child pain for whatever reason, whether you're a victim of parents or a divorce or sexual abuse or anything else and you, you, you have this pain and don't know how to make sense of it and you suppress it and you put it in the bag. You have this pain of you lived a season of making so many poor choices and it feels like those poor choices are haunting you. And that you'll never be able to escape who you were. And that you're paying for it today and you suppress it and put it in the bag. You experience relational betrayal. People who were closest to you have hurt you the most and the deepest. And you put it in the bag. You raise your children in the ways of the Lord. And you did everything you thought you could and could not understand why they're no longer serving God. It doesn't make any sense and you put it in the bag. You lose a loved one who loved the Lord and you cannot understand why they died so young. You put it in the bag. Two weeks ago was my daughter's sixth birthday. We named her Hallie because it means Hallelujah. We named her Hallie because before we had her, we lost a child. My, my wife was, I'll never forget, my wife was four months pregnant and she miscarried in the car when we were driving and in such a traumatic way. I, that's the first time I experienced that kind of loss and, and not understanding why that happened. And here's what happened. I brought it to God and He never gave me an answer for that. Still hasn't. And I wanted an answer because I wanted my pain to make sense. I wanted to see my suffering and my relationship with God and how these two things tie together so I can at least cope a little more. Then every once in a while, this will come back up, right? So here's what I did because God never gave me an answer. If I'm being honest, I took everything that I've had in this bag already and then I took the, the loss of a child and we named the child, we let our kids name the child. The child's name is Baby Love. And so two weeks ago, I, I was reminded when people come up to us, my family, like, hey, how many kids do you have? And we say four. Usually when my children says, no, 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 we have five. One's in heaven. I'm like, My bad, five. Two weeks ago, my daughter, um, it was Hallie's birthday and we lost baby love before Hallie. And so my oldest daughter, Mamie, comes out with the birthday balloons. Hey, it's baby's love's birthday too. We can't forget. Can we let these balloons go out to baby love? I said, that's a great idea but let's do it when nobody's looking. Thanks God. Let's do it. Say so let's do it when nobody's looking so we don't get in trouble, okay? Cuz daddy's a pastor. And we'll get judged for everything, all right? Now you go let it go cuz if you let it go I can say you did it and it wasn't me. So she let the balloons go to baby love. But here's what I've recognized, that we all have a bag of brokenness. Whether you have your own baby love, you have your own abuse, you have your own poor sins and decisions that you have made that haunt you, no matter what size, shape or form, you understand, wow, Are you okay? <laughs> no, it's good. I'm not I don't want to be over spiritual, but it's good. It's just a reminder that the enemy doesn't want the Lord to speak to our hearts. And so just keep listening. He'll lose. And And we all have this bag of brokenness, right? And if we are not careful and we don't know what to do with it, we, we suppress it, right? We suppress it because you don't know what to do with it. And just like trash, maybe people can't see what's in it, but they'll eventually be able to smell it. And it begins to rot, and it begins to leak. And I noticed that for most of my life, I was leaking from the things I was suppressing. And of all my bag of brokenness, I projected this on people that I would encounter. So therefore, when I became into a relationship, I would project my bag of brokenness on the individual and I would look at them through my bag of brokenness, expecting them to be just like what was in the bag. And I had this anger and I looked for people to be the object of my anger. I've matured a little bit. Here's what I do now. I can't deny that what's in this bag hurts. I can't deny that I don't understand it all. I can't deny that I don't like it. But here's what I've recognized, that I've matured a little bit more. And I've recognized that, God, although I don't have answers that I wish I could have and I don't, what is my suffering revealing about myself. Because when I suffer, I tend to respond a certain way and that response is revealing character, right? When we, when we go through suffering, you can become bitter and you can become angry and you just, it's, it's, it's exposing what's in here that needs to be healed. So I've learned what are you trying to tell me about myself, God? Then, If I become the target or victim of somebody else's suffering, I ask the question, what are you trying to show me about this person or people? And you begin to have compassion differently on people. Then God, what are you trying to show me about you in the middle of my suffering? If I take this approach, myself, others, and God, I typically suffer well. The challenging part is as Christians, we love to take scripture out of context and throw it around like it's a quick dose of medicine, not realizing that this medicine may not be what we thought it was. A passage that's often taken out of context, you see it on stickers, you see it on coffee mugs. In fact, it was, it was voted as one of the top 10 scriptures in America the last several years. It's this passage right here. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. So we love to um, walk through pain and say, you know what, my bag, um, something good is going to come out of this. And, And here's what we think when we say it. We think God owes me for this suffering and I deserve to see earthly compensation. And so we live as if God owes us here on earth and as if we are supposed to be compensated for dad walking out, for our child not following God, for the uh, losing a child. And for and hear me clearly, God certainly blesses us. God certainly rewards us. Um, but I fully believe that he doesn't have to if he doesn't want to. And if he chooses to, it's out of his grace and kindness. But I will tell you this. You will enhance your misery of suffering if you think that God should compensate you for everything that you have been through. So what is the good? Uh, What comes good out of dad walking out? What comes good uh, out of your child not following God? What comes good out of me losing baby love? What comes good out of this? This is where we have to figure out as a church because the way we define good is a lot different than how God defines good. We define good as some earthly benefit. God defines good as a heavenly benefit. Two big differences. One, you may or may not see here on earth. The other, for sure, it is done in heaven. Wrapped up, locked up. Just like we know the Rams will win the Super Bowl, it is done. I got one amen. All right. Let's take a look at this and what God is doing here. So what does God mean when he says... It's going to all work to good. Your bag of brokenness that you begin to think about when I was talking, um, you're wondering how does this work for good. And here is a truth about your bag of brokenness in this room. Um, The great thing about our God is that your bag can be filled with your poor decisions. Your bag can be filled with things that were done to you or against you. Your bag can be filled with anything you want to put in it. Nothing in your bag can overpower what was done on the cross. Do you understand what I'm saying? Nothing in your bag can overpower what was done on the cross. What was done on the cross gives meaning to your brokenness in the bag. What was done on the cross gives meaning to your brokenness in the bag. So we have to figure out how is that true? How is that true biblically speaking? Verse 26 and 27, after Paul speaks about suffering, he says this, that there will be times where we don't know what to pray. And in your agony, in your moment of suffering, have you ever been there? Like, have you ever been so broken you didn't even know what to utter out? Like, man, have you ever been like, I just I, I, I got nothing for you, God. I don't know if you've ever deep down in your soul had no words and you got to be careful because that can turn into bitterness if you're not careful and you'll start leaking. And so here, here's, the, here's the key is that the scripture says when we have inner groanings that we cannot even speak, we do not know what to pray, it says that the spirit intercedes on our behalf. When you have nothing to utter, the spirit intercedes on your behalf to the father. Because you will, let me tell you, you will get to the point where you are totally emptied out of your humanity and you question his divinity and you have nothing to say to him. You don't, you don't have a well deep enough to pull words out that'll make sense to what you're experiencing. You will be there. See, Christianity is more about suffering than it is about prospering. And if you get that twisted... You will become a miserable Christian. But you must learn how to suffer well. You must learn that even when you don't have words, he comes through. Scripture says when you don't know what to pray. Here's the good news. We don't know what to pray. Then he says this, and we know. You may not know what to pray, but if you want something to hold on to, let me give you something to hold on to in the midst of your suffering. Let me give you something to hold on to no matter how big of a bag you have, no matter how deep it is, no matter how painful it is, and it's shattered into small broken pieces, and you're wondering, what are you gonna do with this? He's saying, let me give you confidence about your brokenness, your bag, and your suffering. What is the confidence, God? Here's the confidence, and we know. That's a confident statement, a bold statement. I know, I know that 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 I know. I know this. Here's what he says. What do we know? That for those who love God, who are children of God, you can only claim this if you're a child of God. You can only claim this if you're a follower of Christ, that you placed your faith in him. Claim what? Well, here's what you can claim, that you know that for those Christians who love God, all things, I love the all things. Pastor, do you mean that even my sin in the bag that caused my brokenness, God can use? Yes and amen, because God knows how to use broken people to reach broken people. And only God can do something like that. God knows how to use your deepest pain for his glory. God knows how to take anything you have to bring to him, and he can make something powerful out of something broken. He can make something beautiful out of something ugly. But only God can do that. Only God can do that. I love that he said all things. You can, if you're taking notes, you put whatever you want in here. So, pastor, does that mean my sin? You know what "all things" means in the Greek? All things. <laughs> so my sin is fall in all thing category. So you mean my divorce that I went through, all thing category. So you mean my even depression that I walked through, all thing category. Your addiction, all thing. All things. God can use all things. But all things, watch this, have to be attached to those who love him. It only works. This is only a promise and a confident promise for those who love him. Then you, if you're in this room and you know you love God and you're a follower of Christ, then you can claim all things. Daddy walking out, all things. Abuse as a child, all things. All things, all things, all things God can use. All things work together all things work together for good now let's let's sit here for a minute this word work uh means in the greek that god this is unbelievably powerful that god can take the most evil here on earth the most broken here on earth and the most perfect stuff and he works it all together for one huge finished product so you may be saying, well, how does, how does the, uh, the loss of a child, how does the abuse, how does all this work together? Individually, it's not great. But because we have a great baker, and these are just a bunch of ingredients, the finished product's going to be awesome. That, that, that's what he's saying here. It's like, uh, I don't like to bake, but I would assume, for those of you who bake, when you're baking a cake, you have all the ingredients out on the table, you're not eating the flour as you're mixing stuff, right? It's pretty nasty. So none of the ingredients by themselves are good, mostly. They're great when you put them together and something begins to bake and make something. So what Paul is saying is, look, the ingredients of your suffering are not good, but here is the promise, that we have a great baker who's going to make something beautiful out of it. That's what Paul is saying here. So all things work together. And you can be confident of this, Philippians 1.6. What does it say? That he, trust me, on it's six. That he who began a good work in you will continue it to the day of completion. So God finishes what he started. Hear me. God finishes what he started. 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 And what blows my mind is that he can use any of my broken ingredients and create whatever he wants to create out of it. Wow. Only God. He can take your broken ingredients and create whatever he wants to create out of it. All things work together. They're working together for good. Watch this. This gets good. This It's good, good. Better good. So you read the word good, and you have a definition for good. Your definition and my definition is different than God's definition for good. When God used good, he used it in Genesis chapter 1. God saw that he created everything, and it was What? This word good in the Hebrew is tov. Tov means that what he created has a perfect functionality to it. That there's nothing wrong with it. It is absolutely perfect. There's no flaw to what he created. So watch this. What God is trying to do, remember that's Genesis 1, it was tov. When the Hebrews gave definitions to words to their vocabulary, it was always a description to it. So when the Hebrews used the word tov, the description was perfect functionality. So when God created us, we had a perfect functionality in Genesis 1. Genesis 3, I talk about this all the time, that perfect functionality was broken because of sin. So what is God doing? He is trying to get us back to the tov function. He is trying to get us back to the place where we don't function out of sin. We don't have sin in our lives, but he is sanctifying us. Not that we will ever be sinless here on earth, but there is a process of sanctification. For example, here on earth, it will look like this. As God is restoring us back to original design here on earth, here's what it's going to look like here on earth for you and for me. You will never be perfect. As God restores you to look like his son, to look like him and to reflect his love, you will have cracks And I will have cracks in my character and in my life. Why? Because I live in my flesh. So I will never be a perfect picture of God here on earth. This will be perfect in heaven. I won't have any cracks. I won't have any flaws. I won't have any. It will be a perfect image of God. So what is God doing? Well, when he first created, it was good. It was complete. It was perfect. It was tov. So what is, what is God doing? He is pursuing your life using all your brokenness to get you back to the tov state. What does that mean? to pure functionality. Now here's what we don't have a say in how he does it. You mean to tell me that you're going to allow my child to die so that I can look more like you? Doesn't make any sense. I don't like that. No clue why that happened. But let me tell you this. The more I was on my knees in the midst of the pain, when I stood up, the more I looked like him. The more I was on my knees trying to figure out what is going on. And this deep pain drew me to him. Because your deep pain can draw you to him or from him. When my deep pain drew me to him, it changed everything inside of me. So can God use this? Absolutely. All things work together for good. I'm going to restore you for those who are called according to his purpose. Okay? Watch this. His purpose. Who are called, which means Let me break this down. Uh, It's an effectual effectual call, which means God reached out to you. Uh, God called your phone. Now you're responsible for picking up. Right? He initiated the phone call. We're responsible for picking up according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, watch this, foreknew uh, is God's foreknowledge of something. So what did God foreknow? God foreknew everything which means this, that God decreed it and allowed it. So did God cause my pain? That's not what I'm saying. Did God allow it? Absolutely. That didn't make any sense. I get it, I know it doesn't make any sense. But we know this, that that nothing in your bag has thrown God off guard. Nothing in your bag was allowed to be in your bag without his permission. If this is true, that he foreknew what was going to be in your bag, It means that he allowed it to be in your bag. Why? That makes no sense, Pastor. I know, I'm going to ask him that too. But all I can do is hang on to the same thing you can hang on to. I don't know why. I don't know why the way he works. But here's what I do know. He's going to work it for good. And if this makes me look more like his son, well, then that's the goal here. Well, no, Pastor. I was told that, I mean, we serve Christ. We get a bunch of stuff. Ugh. The goal of Christianity is not more stuff. The goal of Christianity is more Christ. And so if you're going to, he foreknew all of it. Yeah, he foreknew your dad was going to walk out. Yep, he foreknew you're going to lose a child. Yep, he foreknew cancer. Yep, he foreknew it all, which means that everything in your bag has to submit to his authority. You understand that? He is more powerful than anything in your bag. So he foreknew it and he predestined it. He predetermined it to happen. For what to happen? My pain? No, 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 no. This we gotta be very careful with the scripture. Did God predetermine my pain to happen? That's not what I'm saying. So what did God predetermine? Thank you for asking. God predetermined for us to be conformed to the image of his son. So God uses all of this and he predetermined that everything you would go through, if you are his child, would be used for what? To be conformed to the image of his son. This is the ultimate goal for us right here. To be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called and those whom he called, he justified. Um, Justified is something that happens by faith. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you are justified before the Father and forgiven of your sin. When you are justified, this happens first. Take a look. You are predestined. He predetermined, called. He makes the initiation. When you respond in faith, you are now justified. When you are justified, then you're glorified. So, What's the purpose of all of this pain so that you will one day be glorified? Not a big deal to you? <laughs> Pretty big deal. Pretty big deal that everything that you go through is not in vain. None of it is wasted. I want you to think about that for a minute. Nothing you have been through is wasted if you are a child of God. This is the key right here for those who love God. If you love God, you can guarantee, you don't know what it will look like, you don't know how it's going to come out, but you can guarantee that everything that you have gone through will work for good. There is a, um, in the 1960s, there is this, this phrase that was coined, called junk art. And the reason why it was coined is because these, these artists kind of rebelled, and they wanted to prove that you can take anything, anything, and make it beautiful. And so here's what they did to prove their case. They would go into the landfills, and they'd go into the landfills, and they'd begin to dig and search for just stuff. What everybody else discarded and threw away. They went in there, put some gloves on, and began to get all this trash and put it together because they wanted to prove that the things that were discarded, the things that were thrown away, and the things that were broken can be made beautiful. And so they came together, and they wanted to disprove, and some other people were getting upset, but they're like, hey, listen, we're going to show you that while all of you overlook this stuff right here, that we can make something out of it. So look at some of these pictures. This is all from landfill trash. I think it's still ugly, but it's pretty cool. (laughs) Now watch this. That's pretty awesome. A little evil. I'm not a Star Wars fan, but that's for my son. And so what you have now are a group of people who are now called junk artists. And what they do is they go in landfills, Find what's broken and thrown away and discarded and make something beautiful out of it. I'm here to tell you today that we have the greatest junk artist. His name is Jesus. And he can take anything that's in your bag. He can take anything that's been discarded. He can take any pain. But here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to let God inside of your bag and say, God, you come in, you tear this thing open, and here it is, my pain, my frustration, my bitterness, everything. Here it is, God. I will no longer blame other people. I will no longer be skeptical. I will no longer be critical. I'll no longer be angry. God, here it is. Do whatever you want to do with this stuff because I don't get it and I don't understand it, and I'm tired of suffering because I'm in misery, not understanding why you allowed this stuff to happen, and I may not... Not see it, God. I may not see it here on this earth, but will you at least give me a hint that you're with me? Give me something. Give me something. And let me know that you're here. But here's the key. You have to let God inside your back. He's not gonna force you. He's not gonna force you. And no matter what's in this bag. He can make your suffering have meaning, purpose, and beauty. He can take every broken thing in here and use it for your good and his glory. Jesus Christ suffered on the cross. In the moment, I can imagine people are like, what is going on? Why don't you come down and help your son? And nothing was happening, and Jesus was suffering But what the people didn't know is that something beautiful was about to come out of his suffering. Job suffered. And what people didn't know is how God was going to use his suffering. In Genesis chapter 37, Joseph suffered. And people didn't know that in Genesis 50, there's going to be something beautiful that came out of his suffering. You may be in the middle of your suffering. Suffering. You may be in the middle of your chapter 37. But I promise you, whether here on earth or in heaven, if you are a child of God, you will have a chapter 50. And God will keep his word and God will come through. And you can guarantee that our God can take all things and make it good for your good and for his glory. Will you give him your bag of brokenness? others can't fix it for you. If you chase other people, you will become angry and bitter because they can't fix what's in your soul. Your spouse can't fix what's in your soul. Your church can't fix what only Jesus can fix this brokenness. I will do my best to point you to Jesus, but only he can fix it. So you ready? You ready to offer him your bag of brokenness? Say, "Here is my sin." Here is my pain. Here is my suffering. I don't know what you'll do with it, but do what you do and make a masterpiece out of my mess. Make a masterpiece out of my mess.